guys can have a seat. Um, Rick is going to be teaching from John 15, 4 through 13 this morning. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Hey guys, what's happening? Um, so, uh, do you guys have friendships? Um, let me expand upon that a little bit. Do you guys have friendships? I would, I think so. Oh, I'm your friend, so. Whenever I get started, like every week, I just start chasing stupid rabbits. I'm sorry. Do you ever have friendships of, that you just don't see very often? Like you see a person maybe once a year or something like that? Um, I have a friend named Brian. Um, he actually preached here like three, four years ago, something like that, actually back at, at Flow Press. Um, he, he's like that for me. And, and he's a guy that I, I text with him on occasion, but um, I, I really don't have a chance to spend a lot of time with him. But he's, I consider him to be one of my closest friends. If something really awful or something really great were to happen, he'd be one of the first few guys that I, that I would text or call. Um, but so like those friends, you guys may even have somebody in mind right now, like somebody that you see every now and then. Um, sometimes I get to thinking that like, because I don't see him that much, like maybe my recollections of like how great our friendship is and how cool he is and all that stuff, like can be inflated, right? You follow that? Like maybe I'm just remembering like the good times and, and uh, but then you get to, to hang out with him a little bit and uh, and like it all comes back and like you, you realize what a great friendship it is. So he was in town, like his family was out of town or on vacation and they were driving back through St. Louis and they stayed at our house um, a, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, something like that, Jen, maybe a month. Um, and we just, we hung out on the deck, his family was there, we're sitting on the deck, kids are swimming and we're hanging out on the deck and I was just remembering how incredible this friendship is. And, and uh, like, like we get together once a year or so and I don't ever want those times to end. So we just want to just hang out. So it's usually like one or two in the morning by the time we finally decide, oh, we, we got to go to sleep. And so like we're just being together and, and not wanting that time to end and just staying together. And that idea... And I, think, I hope that's painting a picture in your mind where you just don't want that time to end because you know it's going to be a while before you see them again. That idea, that concept is beginning to get at 
what abide means, um, to just be together. Um, and this passage, and Kelly just read 10 verses, but in, in like the first seven verses, abide shows up nine times, that word abide. So this passage um, is about abiding. What does it mean to abide? I, I studied that this week. Um, abide means these things. And, and this stuff is also in your bulletin, by the way. Um, abide is the Greek word meno, and it means to abide. It's translated not just in Scripture, but in other Greek texts. This word is translated as abide, remain, dwell, and tarry. Um, and tarry is like, a, like an old word. Like if, if I were to use the word tarry, you would like probably judge me for, for that. Um, but it's, it's a really good word because it just means, and, and back to my story about Brian, talk, being silly, having fun, talking about deep stuff, just like when you just don't want something to end, you're tarrying there. And that's what this word abide, there's, there's a, a hint. So it's not just being together, but it's tarrying together. Like, I don't want this to end. I want to spend as much time as I can with you. And this is what abide means. And again, we're in this series, Conversations with Jesus. This is a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And he's about to, this is just prior to him going to the Garden of Gethsemane. So he's probably got like three days left on the planet. And he's talking about abiding. Um, I think that's significant. Uh, so I, I have a, a little bit of help, some definitions from uh, people about what it means to abide. Sinclair Ferguson says this about abiding. In a nutshell, abiding in Christ means allowing his word to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections. To abide in Christ means to fill your mind with his word. So there's a piece of very simple practical step, read scripture consistently, direct our wills and transform our affections. And I think this is, a, this is a key one of what it means to abide in Christ is when you are engaging with Jesus, you have a, a, a set plan for that engagement with Jesus to change your affections. Do you ever read scripture from that position, from that posture. I'm reading scripture so that Jesus might transform what I like and what I desire. If you are, you're getting to what it means to abide in Jesus. John Piper says this about abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ means hour by hour trusting him to meet all of your needs. Hour by hour, trusting Jesus to meet all of your needs. Um, when, something, when something important happens, is one of your first responses to pray and to seek out wisdom of Scripture. If you are, you're probably doing a pretty good job of abiding in Christ. Um, Here's the definition that I've come up with. To orient your mind and life around the acknowledgement that Jesus is all you need. What it means to abide in Christ is to orient your mind and life, like the things that I think, the things that I allow myself to think, 
the things that I, I let engage my brain, and then my life, the things that I do, the, my activities, my actions, all of those things are oriented, my mind and my life, around the acknowledgement that Jesus is all that I need. What it means to abide in Christ. Um, so that's what it means. So what does abiding in Christ produce? And I think that's the heart of what this passage is about. So we're going to look at, at four things about what abiding in Christ does for us and is. And each one from a, a particular verse. So in, in verse 5, John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The products of abiding in Christ, first, you will bear much fruit. And my initial reaction to this verse is, I want to be productive for God. Therefore, I want to abide in Christ so that I can produce for God. And I think there's a hint of that here. But I think ultimately what this verse is teaching and what abiding in, the fruit that abiding in Christ brings to you is the fruit of Christ in your life. Not that you can accomplish things for Jesus. Now, that's a part of it, but the majority of what this is teaching here, the fruit of abiding in Christ means you have the fruit of Christ in your life. Elsewhere in Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of abiding in Christ. This is the fruit that's produced in you and through you. Does anybody like to be loved? Does anybody like to engage in love? I saw a... Um, the day before yesterday, I saw yesterday. It was very cool yesterday because I could say yesterday I saw yesterday. But yesterday it wasn't. It was two days ago. The day before yesterday I saw yesterday. Is anybody confused? It's a movie out called Yesterday. Um, it's an okay movie, but it's a great love story. And I sat there thinking about love and the love that's in my life. And I sat next to my love. And um, I, just, I was just engaged with this incredible, you know, like you're rooting for this love story to happen for the whole movie. Um, and, I, and as I'm sitting there thinking about love, that gets, after, after I see a movie, I like to just process through like the themes of it. And the theme of that movie in my mind is love. And I just kept thinking about the love that's in my life. I thought about you guys. I thought about my family. I thought about my wife. I thought about the church. I thought about Jesus. And I thought about love. And when you think about love and when you are engaged and consider all of the areas of life that, where love is real to you, like, aren't you just happier? Right? Like, when you acknowledge, man, I really love my wife, or man, I really love this friendship, or man, I really love that. Like, you're just happy. And here's the secret. 
Jesus intends for that. When you abide in him, the product is love. Isn't that cool? The product is also joy. Who wants to be happy? And joy is way more than happy. Joy is, is, is happy that can't be wiped away. If we're all happy right now and we were to learn of something that was terrible, it would wipe our happy away. The joy that's the product of abiding in Christ is happy that doesn't get wiped away. Isn't that cool? These are the products of abiding in Christ. And again, I want to reiterate this. The point of this series is conversations with Jesus. This is a conversation that Jesus had with the people that were most important to him right before he was going to die. And this is what he wanted to teach them. This is a major teaching and probably the last teaching that Jesus did with his guys. Abiding in Christ brings love. It brings joy. It brings peace. The absence of strife. Peace. It brings kindness. Like I, I, I pray a different fruit of the Spirit for each one of my children, and, and kindness is one that I pray, and, and I, just, I pray that kindness would, would enter us, and then kindness would, would like come from us. And the way to get this to be produced in your life is abiding in Christ. The second one, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever it you wish and it will be done for you. This one is dangerous because what Jesus just said to his disciples is when you abide in me, ask anything that you want and I'll do it for you. That's dangerous because we are self-centered, self-serving creatures. And naturally, we want to get for ourselves. And many times this verse is ripped out of the context and think, if you just pray hard enough, God will give you the winning lottery numbers. If you just pray hard enough, God will give you the job that you want. If you just pray hard enough, God will give you everything that you want. That's what he just said. No, it's not what he just said. Abiding in Christ produces this opportunity to ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And here's ultimately what, this, what happens here. As you abide in Christ, he gives to you. Um, the thing that I, I want to proclaim about this verse is when you abide in Christ, you can trust your desire. You follow that? When you abide in Christ, you can trust your desires. When you don't abide in Christ, you cannot trust your desires because naturally you are a self-serving person. But when you abide in Christ and you are connected with Christ and he is 
pouring all that he is into you. The vine and branches analogy is beautiful because the branch gets its motivation. It's the thing that keeps it alive. The thing that is like its life-giving sap is being pushed into the branch. When we abide in Christ, we can trust our desires. And this is, at the end, I'm going to tell you about what we sent out via text message and a, and a tweet and Facebook and all that stuff this week. This one is super important when we get there. So bookmark that thought, if you would. The third thing, God is glorified, verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this abiding in me, God is glorified. Here's, I've said this many times, and, and throughout the book of Ephesians, um, this idea is over and over and over again. You are, God intends for you to be a commercial for him. And what that means is glorified means, hey, pay attention to this thing. When you glorify something, you want people to pay attention to this thing. Whether it's good or bad, when you glorify something, you're, for, you're pushing people's attention and direction to this one thing. And you are intended to be a glorification or a glorifying agent for God. And when you abide in Christ, you become that. Then the last piece, verse 11. <clears throat> These things I have spoken to you, all of this stuff about abiding in, in me, abiding in my love, these things I have spoken to you that your joy may, my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Who would like to have full joy? The kind of full joy that Jesus offers. If we were the kind of church that raises their hands, you guys would all have just raised your hands, I think. Um... And I'm telling you, the way to do that is to abide in Christ. So I want to spend uh, just a, a few minutes talking about practically what does this mean. Throughout Scripture, throughout um, my study, these are three things that we can do to abide in Christ. Follow that? The first one. Um, and this one is, is hard. It's, it's really hard for me. I've tried to do this several times and failed. Um, it's to consistently fast. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that I said about what it means to abide in Christ is to acknowledge that Jesus is all that you need. And when you fast, it's a, it's a physical reminder to yourself that Jesus is all that I need. Next week, I'm going to teach about Jesus. Man, uh, man lives by the, by the bread, by the word of life, by the word of Jesus. And that's to consistently fast is that. So here's what I would like to, to present to you as a, as a possibility. I would like for you to go and pray through a consistent weekly time, a consistent monthly time, or maybe even consistent daily time where you fast. Generally speaking, fasting means food. I'm not going to eat this meal. Some of you have health reasons why you can't do that. That's fine. Some of you don't. 
I'm going to ask you to consider a weekly fast. Um, One of the things that I did in in the most important time and probably the the most intimate time that I ever had with with Christ is when I was trying to figure out whether she was the one I was supposed to marry and trying to figure out whether, whether or not God wanted me to be a pastor. And I spent three months fasting from lunch, from breakfast and lunch every Wednesday. And I would go and sit in a parking lot and read scripture during that time. And it was the most intimate time God has ever been with me. I could hear his, hear his voice. And I don't think that that's accident. As we pursue Christ, as we acknowledge with our actions that he's all that we need, his voice gets louder. Um, so I want to ask you to do that. Um, if food is not an option for you or, or food is not a big deal to you, maybe, maybe your phone is. Maybe you take a period of time where you are apart from your phone intentionally. Maybe there's a period of time where you're apart from social media intentionally. Something where you are distracted or something that distracts you from acknowledging that Jesus is all that you need. And take a, a consistent weekly time to cut that out of your life. And as you do, acknowledge, I'm, God, I'm doing this because you are really all that I need. The second thing, first, consistently fast. Second, meditate on Jesus or Scripture. Um, think about a particular phrase or verse from Scripture. Um, John 15 happens to be something where I can't get past I was reading through the the book of John just in my personal individual stuff, and I can't quit reading John 15 because God has just drawn my heart there. And to sit on phrases, put a reminder in your phone. Every Tuesday at 3.15, you get an alarm that goes off that says, abide in Christ or abide in my love or whatever verse or phrase that jumps out at you. And that's meditating on Scripture. And this is the action for you to abide in Christ that produces all of the products we just talked about. Um, say, say a simple prayer every day. Or, or he, here's, better yet, when you drive home from work and you sit in your driveway, sit in your driveway for an extra 30 seconds and, and repeat a verse to yourself. Or when you're in the shower, when you turn the, the water on, let that, turning the water on, be reminded of Jesus is the water. Jesus is the living water. And then consider that. Meditate on the goodness of who he is. Whatever it is, find margin in your life to think and consider Scripture. This is what it means to abide in Christ. Um, one of these for me, I, I was in a, a prayer gathering with some fellow pastors on Tuesday this week, and a friend of mine named Mark said he, he can't stop meditating on Lamentations 3.25 that says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. And, and that's ringing in my head this week as a, a couple of times I, I sat there and, and thought to myself, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. I will wait for you. 
And then the third thing, um, and, and I've, I want to I be honest with you here. This, this jumped into my mind as, the, as a way to abide in Christ. And I, I thought about not putting it here because it seems to be self-serving. And I, I don't intend for that at all. So please allow me the, the leniency to, to, to speak here. Um, it is to engage at church. I think that the style of church that we are can begin to be, huh. Um, but here, here's, the, here's the secret. God created this thing called the church. Not this expression called North Church, but he created this thing called the church. And he has called you to engage at this expression called North Church. And he has a reason for that. And the reason for that is to give you tools to help you abide in him. And while me asking you and doing all this stuff, telling you about, hey, it's really important for you to abide in Christ, and these are all the wonderful gifts that you get from abiding in Christ, and then saying coming to church will help you do that can seem to be self-serving. And I, I, want, I want to proclaim to you, it, while it may be, it's really you serving. Because God intended for you to connect with, with a church, and, and not just that you would connect with a church, but to give gifts to you so that you would be the branch and the vine and where he would put himself into you. Because what happens here every week is we worship together. I, I, I don't want you to miss, we're not just singing songs to Jesus because that's what churches do. We're singing songs to Jesus because worshiping together is a supernatural thing. To stand next to the people that you're standing next to, to sit next to the people that you're sitting next to, and engage in these ways, there's a supernatural event that's taking place, connecting hearts together. That's why when people move out or leave or whatever, it hurts. Because you've been supernaturally connected together with people. And sometimes that hurt materializes itself in different ways for other people than, than other people. But it's true. And then not just worshiping alongside of people, but also submitting yourself to teaching. Like, I don't take it lightly at all to think that every week I get to stand up here with a microphone and you guys sit there and listen to me talk for a half hour. Like, that's a, that's a massive burden in my life. Because your being here is submitting to my teaching. And if that, and my teaching better be Christ-like. It better be honest. It better be true. Because it is the vehicle that God has chosen to get his word into you. Understand that. We're not here to placate you or make you happy. We're here to submit to the wonder and majesty of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is to be engaged with one another's lives. I think in like the first three or four years, we did this really well. But we haven't done this quite as well. And we try, but 
part of being a part of a church is to engage in one another's lives. And the way to do that is with consistent being together. That's what God intends for us. Um, the weekly gathering of believers is crucial to abiding in Christ. Um, I want to call us to those things because of this opportunity that's in front of us. Um, and I'm going to pass out a piece of paper. Um, if I was better at transitions, there would be some seamless, beautiful transition, but I'm not. So uh, Rick and Ben, would you guys mind passing these around? Uh, make sure everybody gets one. And I'm going to tell you guys, as they're passing this out, I'll kind of give you the, the general um, synopsis of this opportunity that we have. Um, there is a church in Hazelwood called Villabrook Baptist Church. And through a series of events that I'll explain in just a second, um, we are beginning to enter into a conversation with them about a process called adoption. And I'll tell you more about what adoption means as we go along here. But ultimately, that's what's happening here. Um, and as I see that everybody's got one of these, I will, I'll start walking through each one of the bullet points. So the first part, uh, the top half of your page is the opportunity, and then the bottom half of the page is things that we, and when I say we, I'm talking about Ben and I as elders, um, are asking you to do. Uh, first, um, and, and I'm sure you've got lots of questions, by the way, and I will sit back here until everybody's gone when we're done today answering as many questions as you have. And I'm sure that your questions will create more questions, and we'll have lots of opportunity to discuss this stuff. So Villabrook is a struggling and older congregation. By the way, um, geographically, they're in Hazelwood, basically like Missouri Bottom Road and 270, like 100 yards from, from that intersection. So kind of like on the, kind of the western side of the city of Hazelwood. Um, if you go, you're on Howdershell and you turn left at Tony's Donuts, that's Dunn Road. You go like another mile back there and it almost dead ends you right at their, their space. Um, Villabrook is a struggling older congregation. They reached out to the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association to help them because they were struggling. Um, the SLMBA did an assessment and recommended they engage in a conversation with an area church plant about adoption. At that point, they didn't know that it was us. And I didn't know that it was us. Um, I just got a phone call from a friend who works there and this revitalization stuff, and he said, hey, by the way, would you guys be interested in this conversation? Um, so what does adoption mean? Adoption can mean lots of different things, and we can talk about that, and we can talk about that, and our leadership and their leadership will talk about that. But ultimately, here's the, the definition that they've been presented with and we've been presented with about what adoption is. The adoption of an existing church in decline or near death by a larger, more healthy church. That's what adoption means. And so that's kind of the, the, the general place from which we, we begin here. Um, there's no real timetable yet. They have 18 people in their church. Um, they voted 18 to nothing uh, about three weeks ago to move forward with the process. Um, and I have, uh, have had one 10-minute phone call with their chairman of their deacons. And if you have any, like, history in the Baptist church, you know that, that what they believe, the traditional deacon in a traditional Baptist church is 
kind of what we consider to be our elders. It's, it, it breaks down a little bit, but just so you know who it is that we're talking to, we're talking to, the, to, to these folks. Um, I have one 10-minute phone call with him. Turns out that since this thing was printed, um, our, our elders and our deacons are going to meet with them tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. Uh, and feel free to blow my phone up tomorrow night after, and, and I'll tell you anybody anything that, that happened in that meeting. Um, I want to be real. I want to be, like, open with how we're, how we're uh, proceeding here so you know what's going on. Uh, so feel free to, to jot down questions on this piece of paper or, or find me afterwards or shoot me a text or, or Ben, either one. Uh, and we're, we're going to be as open as, as we can be with this process. Um, things we are asking you to do. Here's what we, your elders, are asking you to do. One, pray consistently for direction and the Lord's leading. Uh, and by consistently, I mean at least every day, preferably two or three times a day. Pray consistently for the direction and for the Lord's leading. And that doesn't mean North Church. That means North Church and Villabrook and its leadership and its people. Pray consistently for direction and the Lord's leading there. Two, pray for humility in all parties, especially us. Um, that's going to be super important. Uh, number three, pray for clarity of vision for both churches and to articulate vision clearly. They need to know who we are and where we're going. We need to know who they are and where they're, where they're going. It's super important. Um, number four, pray that we be kind and compassionate as we communicate and listen. Because essentially, if you boil it down and take the spiritual matters out of it, essentially what's happening is they're giving us their building and they're going to submit and surrender to our way of doing church. And that can seem very hostile on its face. And that's not at all what I hope or intend to happen. And I think the crucial thing for us is that's why I've asked you for, to pray for humility, pray for us to be kind and com compassionate as we communicate and as we listen, to honor who they are. And then number five, I've, I've already talked about this in the, kind of the sermon part, but I'm going to ask you specifically with this in mind, fast with some sort of consistency. Please. Um, Please, because this is, this, is, this is really important. God could have something incredible in store for us and for you and for them and, more importantly, for our community. Number six, abide in Jesus and trust his word in John 15. If you're looking for something to just meditate on and to dwell on, just read every morning when you wake up or every night before you go to bed, read John 15. And just sit there for the rest of 2019. That's okay. Number seven, ask questions of me and or Ben. I want you to ask questions of us. I want to know what you're excited about. I want to know what you're afraid of. I want to know what you're confused about. But understand, I'll probably answer most of your questions when I'm, I'm really not sure. 
And number eight, and this is, uh, this is really important because I don't want to have to rebuke some of us. Feel free to talk to others. At, tell anybody that you want, anything that you want about what's happening. But do it in a spirit of humility and abiding in Christ. Please. Does that make sense? Um, so I, I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, I mentioned it in the in the sermon about my prayer gathering time with some other pastors on Tuesday, and a, a very trusted, respected friend uh, said he can't get past Lamentations three twenty five. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Um, and I want I want us to. As you guys have now gotten this information and are probably processing this information in your brain, I want to bring that in front of us. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. So let's wait for God. Let's trust him. Let's abide in him. Let's engage with him. Let's fast Let's meditate, let's read scripture, let's be together, let's worship together. But all of those things, let's wait for the Lord. Let's uh, pray and we can outwardly worship him again. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the provision of this little church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this place. Thank you for all the buildings that you've given us over the years, God. Thank you for all of the fruit that you've shown to us. Lord, I pray that you would grant us humility and patience and kindness as we have conversations with each other, as we have conversations with this other church, as we're just confused about what adoption means, may we wait for you. May we trust you. God, help us to know what it means to wait for you. And Lord, may we surrender to your will. May we surrender to your way. God, thank you for Jesus. God, and, and thank you for giving us this, this distraction of this possibility, this opportunity that's caused us to desire to seek you, Father. And God, I know that the point of our lives is to seek you and to find you. The point of our lives is not a building. The point of our lives is not even a church, Father. The point of our lives is seeking and finding you, God. And thank you for giving us this distraction of this opportunity, which is going to cause us to seek your face, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would show up and you would be active and living and vital and real in our lives. That we would seek to abide in you and the product of our abiding in you would be 
joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and all of those things, Father, would you impart those things into our lives so that whatever the answer is to this question, this opportunity, the result would be a nearness to you and a joy that can't be wiped away, a, a love that goes beyond the superficial and, and deep into our hearts and into our souls, Father. May, when we look back retrospectively on this opportunity and this process, may we see how you moved in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.